podcast dedicated to in-depth discussion of K-pop. We're your hosts, Stephen Knight, Joe Palmer, and Tamar Herman. And on this episode, we're discussing Luna's actual, official, final debut with our guest, M.O. King. M.O. is a queer Korean-American poet, high school English teacher, and K-pop fan who you might know because they contribute to Singles Jukebox. Thanks for joining us today, Emma. Wow, thank you for having me, Tamar. I'm happy to be here. Uh, And moving forward, I will say that my pen name is M.O., but I'm also happy to go by Mo. Perfect. Well, Joe, uh, it seems like we just recently did a Luna episode. Do we need to like change the name of the podcast to the Luna Cast or Luna Daily or something? Or or why are we back (laughs) here on Luna again? I think we just about missed the trick on that one, but... I think if you, anyone listening, have listened to our part one, we'll be able to tell that we talked so much about their pre-debut rollout that it needed a sort of conclusion, you know, and I talked about wanting a conclusion to this whole thing, and we're kind of here to see if we got that with their official debut as as a 12-member group. to start by asking Mo how you first heard about Luna and what drew you to them so much. Yeah, that's a good question. So I encountered Luna um, when the first member, Heejin, debuted and thought it was a really unique and innovative concept. Where I got really invested in them was, I think, with the sixth member, Kim Lip, and the sort of turn towards more contemporary, some would say, I think, like EDM, future bass sounds, and the story developing in some really interesting directions. That was really, really interesting. And last year, uh, it's funny, um, I ended up writing my senior thesis for college. Um, One chapter about that was on Luna and the way that the story of the group um, sort of negotiates um, queer identity and sort of time travel. To me, what's really interesting about the group and the way I find myself reading them is tied to the way they talk about love as sort of this circular, I think, process. One large component of the pre-debut story was that the girls um, were stuck in a time loop. And the way that I was interpreting the story, um, it was kind of the way you break that loop is sort of by acting in ways that defy conventional narratives, that defy patterns that lead to time becoming a loop. Within that, I think there's a really powerful message that Luna, I think, works with about sort of love and I think courage, finding courage to pursue love, even when love is something that has an end date, has an end point because love is always something you can pursue again. Did that time loop theme start with the odd-eye circle subunit, or is there something even earlier that references that? That's a good question. So my understanding is that the time loop narrative, I think, becomes a lot more explicit with odd-eye circle, which is their second subunit. But fans um, were able to make a lot of connections to Luna 1-3 once they had sort of made that connection. And the other thing I really, you know, appreciate about Luna is that 
sometimes I think that there's this demand in sort of, you know, K-pop to, I think, explain everything. And I think to have answers. And I do appreciate that the way that um, I think the story is told, there's a lot of room for um, ambiguity. And there's also a lot of room for, I think, fans to do a lot of the interpretive work. I actually think that's part of why I think there's been such a passionate fan base that's developed around theories and I think like close readings and just trying to figure out what is going on exactly. But yes, I think to answer your question, the time loop, um, I think narrative really emerged around um, Odd Eye Circle. Is that ambiguity important to you as a queer person identifying with this? Because obviously K-pop is a huge industry, but the LGBT representation is quite small to say the least. Um, so is that important? And how? where did you first started seeing these um, ideas in Luna? Mm, yeah, so that's a, that's really important to, I think, um, surface. You know, I have been a queer fan. I've kind of, you know, had the fortune to see K-pop develop in some really interesting directions around LGBTQ identity in the last couple of years. But I, I do want to think from a historical standpoint that queer people have sort of always found ways of finding ourselves in literary genres and musical genres that have not always reflected who we are. And I think what I appreciate about the ambiguity is that it creates a lot of space for fans like myself to, I think, read queer meaning and queer ideas into the texts. And I don't think that is exclusive to Luna, but I do think that Luna does. um, I think that the way the group is structured and the sort of overarching premise of the group, which is about 12 girls who are lost and I think are working back towards each other in a sort of quasi-science fiction narrative. Um, Something about, I think, the genre and about the structure of the narrative, I think, creates a lot of space. But it's really interesting that we're um, talking about this, too, because I'm thinking also about um, Holland, who is one of the first, you know, openly gay artists in working in K-pop. And what's interesting is that it seems like queer fans and the way that they relate to someone who is openly gay and who is exploring that in their work the way that they're responding sort of feels different from how they're responding to a group like Luna, I think, in which um, I think they are doing a lot more of the sort of interpretation and a lot more of thinking that connects it to their identity and their experience. Is there a particular way that they're different? Is Holland's music maybe just being left very surface level interpretations? You know, it's not well, does fans' interpretation interpretation not have the same depth through it? Do you think? Ooh, yeah. So I'm I'm kind of struggling with how to word this, and um, I think it's definitely a thought I'm developing. So I I, I wouldn't call it surface level. Um, I do think that Holland. I'm a, I'm a big Holland fan. I really liked I think his last two releases. I think that it's sort of different to have um, an artist I think with sort of explicitly um, and openly queer. And exploring those, I think, themes in in their work versus, I think, like a group that is not explicitly marking itself out to be queer, but somehow creates a lot of space for fans to do that work. This is kind of the English teacher coming out in me, but I'd say it's a similar thing of, you know, what is queer literature versus, I think, like, what is, I think, queer reading, right? Um, I think there's a keynote of, I think, like queer authors, I think, who identify as such, who do amazing work. Um, but there's also, I think, there's a way of, I think, reading things queerly, which I think certain texts and certain um, artists lend themselves 
much better to. And for some reason, which I'm still unpacking myself, you know, um, for myself, for some reason, Luna has lent itself like particularly well to this kind of reading and this kind of interpretive work. Mm-hmm. Getting back to Luna and the story itself, is there any specific examples of the kind of queer interpretation you're making mm-hmm. yes in their work this is kind of a transition into i think our discussion of um, their first single as a full group there's a great scene in high high where olivia he has been teleported by um the odd eye circle members um onto a platform and she's i think juxtaposed against um or the video is juxtaposing her from her position and eve who is ostensibly on the ground. What's powerful about this sort of sequence is that there's never a moment in which you're seeing both of those two members together. And for fans, I think there's some more context where um, these two members have been part of a story where Eve sort of initiated this um, process of leaving, which struck Olivia He as a betrayal. This could be read as a moment of reconciliation or a moment of confrontation, but for me, a really queer moment in that is where Eve is smiling at her or at something, um, and then Olivia is smiling back. Again, you're not seeing these two members, I think, together. Um, this is all implied through the sort of sequencing of the shots. And then you see Olivia Hiss sort of, I think, just jumping off um, this large platform. And we don't actually see her land, which I think is sort of creating that ambiguity. You know, as a queer person, I would think that love is a similar experience for a lot of us, right? Like we're taking this potentially lethal leap of faith, but trusting that we're going to land on the other side, you know, having done a lot of the inference ourselves of, I think, what love is. And I think like how we know we are loved and that we can pursue love. So that's, I think, one moment I think that landed for me really powerfully in the last video. That's interesting because obviously, especially at the end of the video, there's a lot of images of taking a leap into, you know, the future, the unknown, something by, by almost all the members. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And that all of these members, I think, and this is sort of getting at the large overarching concept of the group. I think of the members as sort of representing different stages, you know, in a love story. Yajin debuted, I think, with the song Kiss Later, which strikes me as being a song very much about waiting and about um, consent probably appropriate given that she's the youngest member. You have um, Heejin and Hyunjin and Hasuru with songs that talk a lot about anticipation, songs about, I think, waiting to gather the courage, waiting for a big change in their life to happen, waiting for themselves to transform, which then I think sort of leads into Kim Lip, um, Jensel and Cherry talking about songs that are much more active, much more about pursuing love. And then Eve, Chu, Koan, Olivia, He, I think really exploring this concept of, I think, like selfhood and identity. Some would say self-love. What strikes me is that the way that this narrative has been constructed, uh, this isn't, I think, a linear progression. I think it's very much, I think, like, again, um, a circular thing. It's a time loop. I th- and I think that, like, the way that these girls are talking about love sort of the obsessive qualities of it, the way that love forces you to, I think, like really closely read somebody and then the work that they're making their fans do in terms of having fans obsess over the theories and the videos and the lyrics, seeing the fan culture kind of mirror, I think, the experience of a of a crush, a really intense crush. Like, that's really interesting to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah, your reading is, the kind of overall reading is, is similar to what I've always thought, but you mentioned confrontation and I think it's interesting how that fits in and that it's circular, but these, the musical styles and sort of videos kind of 
change and seem to combat each other to like a small extent. And then, like you said, love kind of comes over and conquers and they eventually become, you know, one, they become the 12 that they're waiting to do. But yeah, I really like that idea of having conversation within these like kind of mm-hmm. different songs within the yeah. same group, I think is um, really, really interesting. Thank you. Uh, yeah, this is really interesting to um, think about. And I think this is by no means, um, you know, a sort of neatly organized reading of Luna. I do think that they're constantly challenging and sort of, I think, like pushing me on my own thinking about how to, I think, understand them as a group. But, you know, as a fan, that's, I think, one of the most exciting things about it. And I definitely enjoy unpacking this with all of you. <laughs> I think uh, um, similarly, I had an idea of what it was all going to be like, and I've been reading that into it every every step of the way but every now and then I'm there's like certain different songs that change my mind like love forever by why by by why which I mentioned last time yeah felt like a a sort of a different turn they were taking you know but it was ultimately a turn towards high high in, in, a, in a sense yeah it, it's, it's it's fascinating to watch I wonder what you you all think about the place of high high in the story because my impression is that the why why by why story is not over yet so like i would expect the debut to be sort of a wrap-up of the whole at least this chapter or, or phase of the luna story but i think there there's more why why by why coming right i mean i feel that k-pop for the past few years has kind of stepped aside from the units but they're actually quite helpful for in between you know album production and stuff so i think that they will go back to them and they definitely seem to leave that story open-ended but at the same time our favorite and high high like the response to that somehow and we're kind of missing it i'm not really smart enough to figure that out Uh, but that is one thing that i was like oh are we done i don't think we're done i mean i want more share clueless inspired looks (laughs) so i hope we're not done i've been thinking about this recently as well and that the only thing i can think of that makes sense is that it's probably some sort of a marketing decision and that they've realized how big Luna are getting and maybe they just didn't want to wait anymore they just wanted to bite the ball and go for it uh, especially with maybe like members like Heejin who did well on Mix 9 and stuff like that making a name for herself they didn't want to lose any of that momentum and just go for it story-wise it's, it's, it's much harder to to sort of pick out you know high high is a lot of interesting little moments and the one Mo mentioned stood out to me in particular as well but but overall it, it it seems what they're trying to do is just get these girls together and show them off as a big group and like even if that is true that they're just jumping on it it still works it still works mm-hmm. for me anyway yeah i'm building on i think um both of your comments i i do notice kind of a um transition into music that might be more accessible to i think the general public even within the even the video, I think that there are a lot of I think like subtle um, sort of allusions back to previous videos. But I think even the content of the video feels, in some ways, like a little more accessible for a general audience. So it's interesting to see, as a longtime fan, um, how they're negotiating this transition from being, I think, this pre-debut project that's building hype and building investment into something that's going to be sustainable. Uh, and I think legible to a larger sort of i think fandom mm-hmm. would you like to the stories and all these connecting ideas to continue or do you think they should go off that more um fan friendly sound from now on 
yeah, I, I kind of want to um, hear what folks think first. Um, well, you know, I, I keep thinking back to EXO's debut, and you know, they had this big—I don't remember the details—but this this big storyline, you know, and this tree splitting, and they had these powers, and it seemed like they had a similar sort of idea that they were building this universe, and then at some point, they just kind of moved on and started doing song you know good songs but they didn't really stick that closely to that concept it would pop up every once in a while and i i kind of hope that luna doesn't follow that path i mean i think there's plenty of room to tell a lot of stories in this universe that they've mm-hmm. created and i think thanks to the ambiguity of it is that they can do something like hi hi that ostensibly doesn't look like it might be a part of it but then you know maybe fans long-term fans will be able to notice you know little visual cues or maybe particular sounds that keep propping up you know it's it's something that i think they will stick with for a, a long time at least but maybe um, a little less a little more low-key mm-hmm. this time yeah i i definitely hear that i i think that the story um for me is one of the i think big reasons why i got invested um, because I wasn't around for, I think, EXO. I think I wasn't really um, involved in K-pop then. So th- it was kind of my first time seeing a group of the scale doing this kind of project. So that was really exciting for me. And I I would be very um, sad to see that part of them as a group diminish or I think like fade away. Um, I think that, like Stephen said, there is so much more room for, I think, interesting stories to be told in this sort of universe that they've created. Um, or the Luniverse, I guess. Called the Luniverse. <laughs> yeah. And I'm excited to see how they sort of handle this transition of being a full group that I think can't fully operate under the mystery of um, who are these other, you know, I think like unreleased three girls anymore. You kind of have to figure out a different way of telling stories. Well, they've made a point of saying that favorite is... Luna's sound, but there's a lot of variety on this album. What's what's everybody's thoughts about this album as a whole? Yeah, uh, I really quite like it for the most part. And I think Hi Hi feels like a sort of continuation of all the units kind of first singles. You know, their Love and Live Girlfriend and Love Forever all have a fairly bright, you know, synth led sound, and this kind of follows that, but slightly more, um, as Mo said, kind of. mainstream you know it has a great kind of pace that girlfriend has and the you know the bright bright synths and like big vocals that you know maybe loveless might be doing and it really plays to their strengths a lot with the smaller you know big vocal small vocal type thing they're doing i think the album as a whole again is good but not i think their their previous albums have all been pretty good with maybe one or two really great songs on them, but this one doesn't really stand out to me in terms of this is going to be the, the great B-side. I really like Stylish, and I like parts of the other ones. And Favorite as well is a great sort of performance piece for me. Outside of that, it's... And you know, even with the performance, so far has been uh, slightly disappointing. They seem a little rusty with the dance compared to Hi Hi, which is fair enough since Hi Hi is the lead single. And, you know, and I do love the choreography of that, so that's generally fine. But as a debut album, it's it's still... Yeah, very exciting. I was personally, like, maybe a little bit <laughs> let down by the album. I really enjoyed listening to it, but because because my favorite song is Joe's absolute bane of existence, Eclipse, <laughs> um, I kind of wanted at least one song, you know, to, to go in that direction. But I think 
that the EP is very, like, it's very good and it's really fun to listen to and definitely feels like this is a K-pop girl group that were trying to get popular in Korea kind of more than the past singles, which were kind of more for the social media and, like, internet hype, if that makes sense. Like, not saying that that's a bad thing or anything, but, like, I feel like I could walk past the store in, in Seoul and just hear Hi Hi blasting out which some of the other singles I couldn't. And that's, um, if you haven't been to Korea, that's kind of how a lot of songs get popular there. It's like people just hear them on the streets and in stores and stuff. And I feel like the album is, I wouldn't say monotonous, but I feel like it definitely sets up Luna's like very effusive synth pop style. And I kind of wanted a little bit, a little bit more, but I do like it. I think they're, they're all really enjoyable songs to listen to, but maybe if they had had one more track that was kind of, I don't know, like a little groovier or funkier and kind of went back to the Yacht Eye Circle era, I would have appreciated it a, li- a little bit more. But I think it's a really good debut EP and hopefully other people see it too. I thought that the song that's just rendered in Hangul, it's like Yogi, something like that. As a whole, it's it's not my favorite type of song, but that the marching band drums and the sort of tuba-y synths, I really love that. It's, it's really uh, unusual and, and interesting. That was probably my favorite song on the entire EP. I think it's a sort of familiar genre for a lot of um, K-pop listeners, but I think that the... I totally agree about the instrumentation. I think that really give the song a punch that a lot of um, tropical pop songs don't have. You know, we, we've gotten to see, I think, such a wide range of sounds and styles from the group in the past. And if there's one thing I really wanted more of on the EP, I think it would have been sort of a more expanded, I think, range of what Luna sounds as a group would look like. I think putting my uh, hopes aside, I really did enjoy the album as a whole. I think all of them are pretty solid. And I think it sets them up well for exploring that sound and developing it further with future releases. Yeah, I think as, as like long-term, like really strong fans, we're sort of disappointed, but also for non-fan, maybe new fans, they're probably expecting so much because, you know, everyone talks about Luna all the time. Luna, Luna, Stan Luna, as everyone says. But yeah, when you kind of take that away, it still really works. It's a slightly maybe diluted version of what Luna is, but I think there's no arguing that it is a, a really solid debut pop album yeah um can i ask a question to the group yeah Uh, yeah so if you had to compare luna sound on this album to another k-pop girl group i think is there a group that it reminds you of or a group that comes to mind for anybody um it's not that it reminds me of another group but every time i listen to it i kind of think imagine if if william entertainment had given this sound to lovelies because so much of what lovelies was like hyped up to be for a lot of people like I'm a, I'm a big infinite fan so I remember like people were like hoping for like a really dramatic like sound from him and this album kind of sounds like what I had hoped for for their debut her um which is like very silly but because I love lovelies and I love all they're doing now the first thing that pops into my mind is Daya because you know they have sort of that synthy light poppy sound to it but also Daya has some really weird songs and you know to me Yulgi especially it, it has some weirdness to it and there's some you know even though these are all sort of electronic and they have EDM elements if you compare like say favorite to high high 
I think they're they're quite different in a lot of ways. So that's that's one of the first groups that comes to mind to me. For different songs, I think different things because I think what especially with like B sides and EPs, it's hard to sometimes distinguish girl groups like single wise. There's a lot of comparisons, obviously, with Lovelies again. You know, I also think of Gugu Dan with the like their kind of amazing pace that's in a girl like me. I guess for a contemporary group, I would say Gugu Dan, just because I know that they can do those bright kind of singles, but also change things up a bit throughout an EP. Yeah, no, Joe, Joe, that's a really interesting comment, Joe. I just realized, you know, that connection between Luna's concept and then I think Gugu Dan has that idea where every album they're doing a different act of a play. Those are similar premises, and you're totally right that they lend themselves well to sort of stylistic variety and I think like experimentation. Google then also, I think, sort of, I'm thinking, I think, like a girl like me and Choco. I was like, Choco, 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 Choco. There we go. <laughs> but I think both those songs, they had something sort of think like almost hyperbolic, you know, level of energy that I think um, Luna sometimes I think like taps into as well. I was thinking particularly Yolgi and um, Perfect Love. Both of those would not strike me as being out of place on um, a Red Velvet album. I think that there's this thing where uh, they've got like, for lack of a better term, they've got really chill vibes. But I think that there's kind of this density to the composition and to the vocal arrangement that something's always happening, you know, in both of those songs. And... I do think that there are sort of elements of how the vocals are layered that reminds me a lot of, I think, how Red Velvet sort of ranges their vocals, even on their Red Side um, songs. You can see a little bit of the R&B influence. Yeah, that's a good one. Even I was just thinking about listening to their most recent album, the Power Up album, even though I wasn't enjoying it as much as maybe their other ones, I was still always noticing how well they layer and how well they arrange vocals. And and yeah, I think that really works with Luna as well. And High High, obviously they don't harmonize as much, but there's a, a lot going on and a lot of variety of vocals that obviously a big group of girls can have and that hopefully Luna will use more of in the future. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, I did realize there was one more thing I was going to talk about, which is relatively small, but um, they found Yojin. <laughs> <laughs> well, that was one of my questions for, for you all who follow this closely is, I really couldn't, it seemed like a reasonably straightforward video, but I couldn't figure out what Yojin and Hustle mm-hmm. were doing in yeah, those weeds. Um, I haven't thought about that too deeply yet. <laughs> okay. So, well, I thought that's where you were going. I also think it's this thing where sometimes they'll have, I think, um, revelations and they're not necessarily, I think, like linear. Uh, so I think now it's like figuring out how did she find Yojin? You know, we know that they found each other, at least in this moment, but. We haven't seen a lot of the backstory to how that happened. So maybe that'll be for next video. <laughs> but also, if you watch Luna TV and all the episodes, this is kind of the, the real life Luna members coming into the story is that our soul is sort of seen as the mom of you know, Jin. And so to me, it was just that sort of on a person to person level, seeing them together in the video was really, really mm-hmm. nice. Yeah. Yeah, the youngest member and the oldest member. And there, it also reminds me of in the stage performance there's a member where they have the i mean there's a moment where they have the tallest member and the shortest member yojin again sort of comparing their yeah, heights yeah, right. even right. even yojin yeah <laughs> <laughs> that is beautiful yeah
All right, well, let's move on to our uh, unmuted K-pop picks. This is where we pick a song that we've been thinking about, that we particularly like uh, to talk about. And Tamar, let's start with you. So uh, I picked, I really liked um, probably, definitely more than the single, BTS's I'm Fine off of their Love Yourself Answer album. I liked it a bit more than Idol. It's more my, my style. I may have cried when I first realized what was happening. Um, it's uh, if, I don't know if you guys have listened to the album yet, but the song I'm Fine starts off with the melody of um, Save Me from a few years ago from their most beautiful moment in life, Young Forever. Yeah, so it, it's actually... so. Oh. Um, Oh, I'm like way it. too deep to this. It's kind of like how Joe is with Luna. Um, but a few years ago, they uh, or a few, I think last year, they shared a teaser photo um, that included the words, I'm fine, but when you flipped it, it was save me or vice versa. I don't remember which one it was. And that was based off of a campaign in Singapore a few years ago, essentially to raise awareness for like, you know, like when someone asks you like, oh, how are you doing? When something's really bad, a lot of people's first response is, oh, I'm fine. So it was kind of based off of like a mental health awareness raising campaign, like to start talking about things. And there's like a lot of tattoos and stuff. So it's like a very, like very prominent graphic in using I'm fine and save me reverse. Like you can flip it on its head. So they released save me a few years ago and now I'm fine is like the response to it and the whole album in general is response to the past two Love Yourself albums. But this one went even back further to like the previous, two previous eras ago, because they had wings in between that too. And pretty much it starts off with like the really dramatic, like whirring synth that you, and the clock ticking from Save Me's melody. And then it just like, you have this like crazy scatter effect. And then it turns into this brand new song. That's a pretty uh, fast-paced tempo the entire time, but by the time you get to the chorus, like the first time, maybe not the first time I heard it, because the first time I heard it was really emotional, but I was listening to it as I was like walking through Times Square to like the train, and I was literally like bouncing on the balls of my feet, like skipping down the Times Square subway steps, which like, I hate Times Square. So for me to be like dancing along with this, it's just like really upbeat and like there's just all the lyrics are really beautiful it's like kind of silly but it's it's literally the response to the previous song so save me like I need help to to someone saying you know a few years later like oh I'm fine like I can like do this like and literally they're just that's what the whole lyrics are about like it's okay if like you're not fine but like you can make yourself fine and like everything's gonna be okay and it's just really really vibrant and really positive and really upbeat and yeah it's funny the way you set that up as being like you know a, um, a really nice song about like important mental health issues you know and I was thinking about that before I started play as play. And yeah, mm-hmm. like you said, it, just, it turns into this like rip-roaring drum and bass track, which is so surprising, but quite really, really cool. And like, I think that sort of style suits them particularly well, especially their rappers who have a pretty angry sort of uh, delivery. And it's it's not angry maybe in the song, but it's 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 very fierce and it's it's fast and yeah, it's 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 cool. I like think they should use it in spin classes. Like- <laughs> 
<laughs> Probably as well. well. I haven't heard the song yet, but I think listening to you talk about it and I think hearing your passion for it, I think it definitely excites me. I think that BTS, for me at their best, has been a really uplifting, I think really just powerful, affirming sound. And it sounds like this is another song sort of in that vein. So that's exciting. Yeah, and I think... I'm not disappointed by the single idol, but I think that the that song is very, very focused on their rap, like their hip hop sounds. Like there's not a whole lot of, you know, like just singing in that song. Um, and idol is kind of the flip of that where the, like the vocalists get really emotive. And I think that's kind of where they, I think it's a nice like counterpart to it. I'm hoping they release a music video. Um, they haven't released more than one music video for each. Oh, well, actually, they did for Mic Drop. Never mind. Maybe they'll release <laughs> another one, but they're probably just gonna release a Nicki Minaj one. Also, I'm not like I was supposed to do another pick, but the the Answer song, like they the series is called Love Yourself, and then the album's called Answer, but they have Answer Love Myself. I just think that the whole series is really come to culmination i called it a magnum opus in my review for billboard and i was just like don't say that like you shouldn't say that like how do you know but but yeah so i would i would suggest checking it out if you haven't listened yet i really enjoy it well knowing that joe was going to be on the show i I put in my claim early to barry good's green apple Uh, i don't know besides joe i don't know how many people even know that barry good actually released an Um, album their first full-length album i am a big barry good fan (laughs) oh good (laughs) So Green Apple has, you know, most prominently has a real electronic, you know, video game, J-pop, 8-bit, however you want to describe it, kind of sound, which I think I'd be curious if you all agree. It seems like it's kind of becoming a trend. I'm hearing that a lot more. Do you think so? I think it's... Like Red Velvet and Seventeen and... It's definitely infiltrating into the sound, but it doesn't feel like a a full trend like, you know, Tropical House is, but... uh, not yet, but I'm hoping. Maybe, maybe. Yeah, something has to take over for yeah. Tropical House. Yes, yes I mean, this, wouldn't, this wouldn't be the worst thing to I think replace Tropical House. No, no. Yeah. you should really listen to this song with with headphones or good speakers or something because there's a low frequency bass line that is occasionally kind of funky and bouncy and really rounds out the song nicely. And I think it may have been a mistake to make it like so low frequency that it's it, you can you can't hear it that well on the kind of headphones and computer speakers that most people listen to, but it, it really adds a lot to the song if you can hear that. And I'm, I'm wondering, you all may be able to straighten me out on this, but there's a little internet fact which may or may not be true that I picked up. I thought if I was going to talk about the song, I should try to figure out what it's about which still not real clear on, but I watched the lyric video and actually listened to the album a lot. I just watched the music video for the first time yesterday. And there was a, somebody explained that, you know, I'm, I'm familiar with the term apple hip in Korean as a reference to like a nicely formed bottom, you know, that, that you, uh, hip covers the whole, you know, it covers a wider area than it does in English and Korean apparently. And somebody said that green apple is mm. means the same kind of thing. And I wasn't able to confirm that, well, but if you, I mean, if you watch the, the choreography and the music show performances, that certainly fits fits with that. Um, well, isn't that like apple bottom jeans type thing? Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
Well, lyrically, like, they talk about apples a lot, but nothing to do with what you just said, basically, right? Like, they talk about Snow White and um, eating six apples, I think, because there's six of them, I presume. Yeah, and they sort of imply that there's a certain kind of apple that might be poisonous, or at least to a, a guy, yeah. but... There's also, I think, this weird, I think, suggestive line, like, do you know what an apple is, like, the most delicious? Like, it's apple season. <laughs> <laughs> I just I yeah and um a couple of um I'm looking at the lyrics now um couple of references to dieting I think it's like I'll pick my own man I'll go on an intense diet I think is the English translation I, I actually didn't realize that um green apple was I guess like slang for what you call apple bottom or an apple hit maybe but that would not surprise me at all if that were a connection I'm really enjoying how yeah. like you guys are all just trying to get around saying the word like butts. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> this is a, a, a G-rated show. Um, I, I spent all weekend with my four-year-old niece, and she knows the word butts. She got sent to the bathroom if she wanted to say it. Okay. <laughs> wow. All right, well, maybe we should move on to Joe then. Well, despite, yeah, you picking very good earlier, I decided to just pick them as well because uh, I haven't listened to anything except Luna and very good at the moment. And I guess what you're kind of talking about, I don't have a particular song, maybe their whole album I think is interesting, but what you're talking about sort of gets us to what I like about Very Good and is that every one of their releases just has something a little bit odd about it. They used to be kind of, a as a rookie group, they're, all their songs are a little bit cheap and a little bit way over dramatic, but I still love that. Bibbidi Boppy Boo was just, you know, a mess of, I don't know what was going on there. Even like Don't Believe, you know, was a pretty solid enough Tropical House song. But then the outfits they wore were, were like these um, <laughs> were the NHL jerseys with like the back taken out and like uh, weird things around their legs. Um, basically, I'm always like, I, I was not expecting anything for this album, but they kind of continually surprised me. And even the album does that, which is sounds like it was recorded in 2011, but still has great moments like in... Uh, Rainbow, which has like these big vocals that very good should be known for because they have like three amazing vocalists and then give it away right after that is like two minutes, 58 seconds. Um, and it's a, a great kind of mix of canned horns and electronics towards the end. Yeah, I basically like how they kind of just continually do something to surprise me. I remember listening to the album the first time and being like, oh, I'll probably stop listening now, but then they'll up the ante one bit more. Uh, yeah, and, they, and they have like some great um, song titles in this album again. The, the album is called Free Travel, which um, makes no sense. Uh, Fly, Flying Kiwi is a song. A Goddamn Love, you know. like that. That's how you title a ballad. A I had high hopes for that one based on the title. Yeah, yeah and, but I think like they have so much talent going for them, particularly vocally, that they really need something a little bit more coherent, you know, like Daya has done with their most recent um, album, which is kind of really up their professionalism and, and, and kind of carve out a more, you know, dense sound for themselves. And I think Green Apple has that. It's just the particular style that they're going for. It doesn't, doesn't uh, flaunt their appeals quite as well, but you know, I still love it. And I, I actually think that if they didn't do what they're doing, I wouldn't like them anymore. So I, I take all that back. <laughs> um, I have a question. Um, anyway, guys might get mad, but do you think this is going to be enough to save them because they were pretty 
pretty blatant that if this album didn't do well, they're going to probably break up. I mean, uh, success-wise, probably not, no. Um, I think they'll try. You know, they seem to be pushing the newest member, Jo Hyun, a lot. You know, she's their visual, but she doesn't seem to be making any sort of tracks outside of the group, so I, I doubt it. Yeah, it is kind of, I'm, I'm going to know, I think like I was, I, I encountered Cho Hyun uh, on Mix 9, where she had uh, not the best run. Because I think what happened was that she had entered the group, I think, without really any formal training. So it's sort of, I think, um, interesting to look at their vocal arrangement and see that. I think there are, are vocalists, I think, who get like some really substantial lines. And then her lines are all, uh, oh, yeah. <laughs> but I think I, I like the song. Um, I would like it to, you know, I think like hopefully um, give them the space to do at least a couple more albums because I do think that, you know, they have some very talented vocalists. Um, they have really interesting concepts. Uh, I think that they're a really interesting presence in K-pop. Yeah. I think they're hoping for a, a honey moment and that's kind of like lightning striking you know once a, once a group gets to this stage of their career it's really tough to to pull it up and take take off and make it to the next tier of k-pop groups i really think that this album as much as i like it isn't gonna do that and i don't i don't think anyone mentioned it um but the one of they released a music video for mellow mellow and then it, it's gone oh really yeah i saw it I saw it for like a minute on 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 the K-pop Reddit page, and then the next thing I saw was that the YouTube link wasn't working. And they had previously, and I checked their Twitter to make sure I wasn't being crazy, and uh. they had previously announced that they would release it. So I was really disappointed. I think, honestly, I think like Don't Believe or Angel could have been the honey moment, and it's unfortunate that that didn't yeah, happen. Yeah, there's no way to top those, those songs. No, they're just so good. Like... It's kind of surprising that the two singles from this album don't really have those vocal fireworks that that you have. You can't tell. I'm like really sad about that. (laughs) All right. Well, Mo, what do you have for us uh, this episode? I want to talk a little bit about um, the new Idol song, Han. And I feel like what's been really interesting is seeing um, the build up to it and a lot of the teaser imagery um, and and then the actual video. I think how much it's drawing from, I think, like horror tropes of the abandoned carousel in one of the videos. I think in another video, it's um, sort of the quasi found footage thing where they finished producing the song and then they're leaving the studio and then the computer just like turns on. It's like, ooh, like, uh-oh, like what's going to happen now? Uh, <laughs> um, and then the song itself, I think is also, you know, I think my reference point for it is kind of like early Sistar. Like this is totally a song I could see them doing, I think like after... Um, I guess their song is also called Alone. Yeah. <laughs> One of the things I've heard consistently about Idol is that they've got six really unique and I think very personable voices. And I think that in this song, that's a huge asset. Even I think like the vocalists like Shuhua, who doesn't get that many lines, I think she has a really distinctively airy tone. That's a good contrast to, I think, like Mion, Mini. Um, I think Soyeon, you know, um, I guess who many people know from Produce 101. And then Unpretty Rap Star, she's had, you know, kind of a solo career. Um, Soyeon, I think, always brings a lot of fire and a lot of, think, like, weight to um, her rapping. 
and are singing. She's their ace. Yeah, she is their ace, absolutely. I think she was involved in composing and, I think, arranging. So she's, I think, also a rookie artist um, who's involved in writing a lot of their music, which is really cool to see. Last time we talked about them around Latata and I remember saying I was like looking forward to what they're going to do and this surprised me in a lot of ways you know it's one of those songs where maybe on first listen it's sort of a is that it reaction that's what I had anyway but over time I'm just learning to love how composed it feels and how comfortable it is especially vocally like most said I would like if Shuha and many were maybe separated a bit because they're not quite the same, but are going with similar vocal styles. But yeah, just the, the composure of, of the group. And I, I think that's definitely led by Soyeon. Like you said, she she's such a grounding presence and is always capable of doing something new with her voice that is, is, is really exciting. I feel like we haven't gotten to hear a lot from Shuhua just yet, but everything I have heard has felt, I think, very promising. I also feel like, I think like um, Joe said, there is I think kind of a confidence to the group that's really exciting to see. When I see them perform, and I think I listen to the way that um, this is arranged, it seems like they're writing and they're composing in a way that's really playing to each member's strengths. Yeah, I think I've seen So Young say that she she tries to do that. Like even the whistle is, maybe Minnie is really good at whistling, <laughs> as an example. Yeah, so I think definitely helps having someone um, who's doing work on that end. The actual song... I like how it sort of brings together a lot of different influences. I think the verses like Britney Spears kind of, but then I think it pick, it picks up, I think a little bit in the pre-chorus. And I think then in the chorus, I think it's kind of a, a much more fast paced, um, upbeat song. And even though thematically they're talking about sort of loneliness and they're talking about, um, forgetting the way that they're singing about it. Um, it feels like there's kind of this submerged intensity and anger that, I think we're seeing sort of manifest. Well, I can't wait to go back and watch the video again after after hearing you talk about it. Yeah, it's a really interesting video. And there's also, I think, for anyone who's a fan of, I think, like old um, camera technology, there's a really interesting way in which they're using that at the end of the video. Uh, that should be really, I think, fun to unpack. Um, well, I guess that pretty much brings us to the end. Um, thank you so much for listening. And thank you, Mo, especially for joining us. It was It was great so good thank you so much thank you so much for having me uh and i want to say um this is my maybe my second time ever recording a podcast so it's a little new but i really enjoyed being part of this conversation and it's always just fun to talk with other fans about k-pop and i think what we're enjoying so thank you for having me so yeah mo where can uh people find you online uh, to see more of your work yeah so you can find me at the Singles Jukebox, which I will hopefully be able to contribute to more often soon. This is my first year of teaching, so I think that's been kind of my, my main priority. Um, you can also find my poetry at facebook.com slash M-O-K-N-G poetry. Um, I have, last year I published um, my first book of poetry. Um, it's titled Speech Therapy. It explores violence, trauma, um, healing, and empowerment through writing. And um, it's also available as a purchase on Lulu. Excellent. Be sure to check it out. Um, Stephen, where can we find you? You can find me on Twitter at Tennessee Appeal. 
And Tamara? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Tamara And I'm just on Twitter as well as uh, Captain Joe Hook. And thank you in particular to editor extraordinaire Scott Interante, who's been doing amazing work and really helping us keep everything going. Um, so yeah, shout out to him. Yeah, if you like the show, please um, subscribe, you know, whenever you lose, you lose, whatever iTunes, give us a review there as well. Stitcher, Google Play, or even just on SoundCloud. Check us out at uh, cultscene.com and cultscene.com forward slash kpop and muted to uh, find all the work. And uh, thank you for listening and look forward to the next one.